0: Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He addressed this epistle to the saints in Ephesus. He addresses them in the first verse of the epistle as faithful in Christ Jesus. To keep them faithful in Christ Jesus... This is part of the instruction he gave. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all please observe in verse 3 the word unity in that important phrase the unity Of the Spirit. In Vine's Dictionary of New Testament Words, a one-word definition is given for the Greek word translated unity. And that word is one. In Webster's Dictionary of English Words, a condition of harmony, continuity, without deviation or change. But when change is good and necessary, we should move in that direction. I've added that last part. Paul wanted the faithful Christians in Ephesus to endeavor. That's hard work. Endeavor to keep, preserve, the unity of the Spirit In the bond of peace and every Christian today ought to gladly accept that obligation endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace we're going to consider tonight what that is about whatever this involves in definition and detail the Bible says that unity is good. In the King James Version, the word unity appears only three times. Here, in Ephesians 4.3, again in Ephesians 4.13, and in the Old Testament, in Psalms 133 and verse 1, that you may have memorized years ago. Behold, how good and pleasant it is, our brethren to dwell together in unity. This is an observation by the inspired writer. There's no argument made to prove it. It is stated as something commonly recognized as good and valuable by sensible people. In our family relationships, This is commonly recognized. You know, there are exceptions, but generally people want peace with their relatives in their marriage and in their family between parent and child. We want peace. It strikes us as distasteful to observe families in conflict, to hear about tension and trouble in families, brothers and sisters who hate each other in-laws who are at war, all of that strikes us as distasteful. We acknowledge the value of unity in families. We believe it's good and pleasant. Now, if we see that unity is good and pleasant in families, we should see how good and pleasant unity is on the higher level among Christians. We are bound together as brothers and sisters because we have the same Father. Our relationship to each other is based on having the same Savior. Our fellowship finds its strength in what we follow given by the Holy Spirit, the teachings of the Word. There is therefore the highest eternal source of our relationship that ought to be characterized obviously by unity surely we see how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity have you ever been through turmoil and division in a local church it is heartbreaking it makes you sick and you get to a point where you simply don't want to go to a place where you expect cold tension instead of warm and comfortable affection I visited churches sometimes for meetings or preaching appointments and when you walk in the door you can see it and feel it and and smell the distance and the animosity the separation You just want to turn around and leave as you would if you had walked into the assemblies of the church at Corinth where the atmosphere is anything but comfortable. We want good relationships. We want comfortable atmospheres. And God wants it. God wants it. Whatever unity is and however it is defined and whatever we discover in the details of it, one thing is without question, it is good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in harmony. And I'm going to fold into that something I just alluded to a moment ago. The unity of the Spirit is desired by the Father, by the Son and by the Holy Spirit it is desired by deity I'm moving over to John 17 do you know what was burning in the heart of our Lord just before he was killed I wanna frame it that way what was on his mind what did he want what was burning in the heart of our Lord just before he was killed John 17 The passage is introduced this way in verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifting up his eyes to heaven, and he said, and then John gives us a report of the Lord praying to the Father when the hour had come. Here's the part of it I want us to read 20 and 21 in John 17. I do not ask for these alone. But also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is what Jesus wanted. This is what it was on his mind. Before he was killed. And he knew that this is what the father wanted. The phrase is that they all may be one. Now who was he talking about? He was talking about not only those disciples around him. But look at verse 20. Those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That's us. If you're a Christian, you became a Christian by believing in Christ through the word of the apostles and responding. What does deity want? That we all may be one. Now, this is one of those cases where what God wants and what men may want may in fact be opposites. Men sometimes want division. And men can be good creating division. Diversity and plurality in our culture today is applauded. Great stress is placed on exalting the individual. And so the message is you do whatever you want and I'll do what I want. And have you heard people talk about this? Well, that's your truth my truth is over here can you imagine in a math class that kind of conversation or observation being made can you imagine in one of brother grubbs math classes he says two plus two is four and a student says mr grubb that's your truth well that's the culture of our time today Submitting to authority and recognizing absolute truth is being downgraded. Many today find it almost humorous that we believe in the absolute truth of God's word. You will hear people praise denominational division. For years we've heard the slogan, Attend the church of your choice. Well, the question ought to immediately come up, what about God's choice? What about the church God set up? The Father and the Son want us to be saved from sin and then united with each other in good and pleasant relationship. And how's that possible? John seventeen twenty says, through the Word. If I obey the Word and you obey the Word, we have this good and pleasant unity. That is exactly what the Father and Son desire. The religious traditions of men should not matter to us. The popular ecumenical spirit should have no influence on us. Jesus Christ prayed that we be one. As we engage ourselves, as instructed in the Word, we answer His prayer. And that brings me to our engagement. Our individual participation is required. And it's captured by this word that I read, endeavor or eager, in verse 3 of Ephesians 4. That's individual commitment participation. I want to be a part of unity, not division. And then through continued individual participation with others who want the same thing, we follow what the Spirit has revealed. And the result is the bond of peace. Listen again. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, right in the middle of verse 1, there is an imperative calling for individual participation. And it's in a very simple word. Walk. Walk. When you were baptized, you accepted the call to walk worthy of that calling. When you see this little word walk in this kind of context, think about how you live from day to day. And here's how all that relates to our unity. If I live according to the teachings given by the Holy Spirit, and you live according to the teachings given by the Holy Spirit, we are united. We're following the same pathway. In order for this unity to come into existence and continue to be in existence, individual participation in what the Spirit has revealed is absolutely necessary. And Paul says to Christians, I beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. One translation says it this way, I encourage you. To live the kind of life which proves that you're a part of God's called. And then there's very specific instruction to Christians in verses 2 and 3 in Ephesians 4. As we faithfully apply these teachings, we are endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So let's consider what some of that looks like. Verse 2 verse 2 with all humility you may have a translation that says lowliness you know what that is it's the opposite of arrogance arrogance is not conducive to unity humility is this is the humility that means you know who you are before God You know who God is? You view yourself built on the foundation of your reverence for the Maker. The lowliness here, the humility here, is the subject of another passage over in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Let's visit that for a minute and you'll remember it. Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love... Look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. I need an example, Paul says, here it is. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's lowliness. That's humility. The opposite of arrogance. No pursuit of selfish ambition. That's destructive of unity. Be like-minded acknowledge our equality as brethren. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. If I think more highly of myself than I should, in those vain thoughts, I am not endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then you have in chapter 4 in verse 2, another part of this, with patience. Older translations, long-suffering. You know what long-suffering is? It's the opposite of being short-tempered. Patience with people. You know, people have their quirks of personality that we may find irritating. Not sinful. Just irritating. And in those cases where people do fall into sin... We should seek their restoration and be patient with them as God is in the process. This is part of our individual participation in the Spirit, in unity, bearing with one another in love. We bear with one another because we love one another. Our patience with each other finds power in that mutual love. Patience is not just a legalistic duty. Line number four on page seven, be patient. It is a requirement of God's law, but it's a function of love. It's all tied in with attitude. Only as we bear with one another in love can there be the patience that keeps us united. The unity of the spirit requires the individual participation of those who who are the called the called are christians the church is the called. this unity will not work unless the called live according to their calling i urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love we've discovered three things so far The unity of the Spirit is good and pleasant. It is desired by deity, but it requires our active participation in attitude and action. We're ready now to look at this important turn of phrase that is the keynote of the passage. Unity of the Spirit. Men can get together and negotiate And hammer out deals and treaties and cooperative efforts. But this is not that. This is unity of the Spirit. We know that this unity is pleasant for man, desired for deity. We've learned that individual participation is required. But what is designated here? The unity of the Spirit. Let me ask. What do we read in the New Testament? What do we find that the Holy Spirit's doing? He is communicating. Acts 4.31, those filled with the Holy Spirit spoke the word of God with boldness. 1 Peter 1.12, the Spirit of Christ indicates testifies, 2 Peter one twenty one. holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit. In Ephesians 6.17, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. This is what the Spirit uses. So what we have in the Bible and in the New Testament is the revelation of the Word of God given by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the unity of the Spirit is not something man can craft or negotiate. Or hammer out a deal it is when people abide in the teachings given by the Holy Spirit that this unity can be called the unity of the Spirit when I accept what the Spirit has revealed and you accept what the Holy Spirit has revealed and we stay with that teaching here revealed by the Holy Spirit we have the unity that this passage teaches It's pleasant, it's pleasing to deity, but it involves our active participation in attitude, in treatment of each other, based on our regard for the Word of God. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness... "...with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace." There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. You know... I heard this illustration many years ago. Snowflakes are one of nature's most fragile things. But just look at what they can do when they stick together. We, God's people, can stick together. It is pleasant. It is pleasing to deity. It requires our participation. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 1 shows God is calling people. Through the gospel, God calls sinners to renounce their sin and enter into Christ. Once that calling is accepted, you make your exit out of sin through baptism into the body of Christ. There with the others who are called, you can endeavor... To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We need to make that choice day after day. In attitude and action and reaction. The unity of the Spirit. Let's be standing as we sing. Search.